Who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows it? Why, you stuck-up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder! <laughs> friend and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 670, and together we're going to celebrate the magic of the Disney parks, movies, and more here on the podcast, my weekly live video on Facebook every Wednesday night, community, videos, books, audio tours, blog, and more. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, and you can find everything else at www.radio.com. So having just returned from the maiden voyage aboard the Halcyon, this week we're going to share our experience via 10 things you need to know about the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, including what it is, what it isn't, what and who is unique, some very secret secrets, and of course, is it worth it to help you make an informed decision of your own? I'll then have our Disney trivia question of the week, more updates, and your voicemails at the end of the show, so sit back... Relax and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. In August of 2019, Disney revealed to fans at the D23 Expo a small glimpse into the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser and promised what was would be the next step into a much larger world of Star Wars storytelling with a brand new, one-of-its-kind, and first-of-its-kind, truly immersive vacation experience in a galaxy far, far away. And in my mind, that was a huge promise, and one that they had to over-deliver on. And for nearly three years, fans and critics have wondered and speculated, dreamed, imagined, and hoped. And yes, hope. Like, in my personal case, where I hoped that this experience would not just live up to the hype, but more importantly, touch, reach, and impact the little boy in me that watched Star Wars with his dad at Middlesex Mall in 1977 and literally had my life change forever. And, and that's a tall order not just for me, but for the countless fans that share paralleled stories of memories, fandom, and expectations. And I was invited for a very abbreviated four-hour preview or so of the Halcyon just days before its initial voyage with, with actual guests. But it was more important for me to experience an actual journey as a guest with my family to see what it was really like and judge from there. And thanks to our friends at Mouse Fan Travel, specifically Becky Mankin, who is family, by the way, we were all passengers aboard the Halcyon's maiden voyage on March 1st. And having just disembarked, we want to share our thoughts, feelings, and there were many, and review with you. 
So I want to welcome back to the show my family, Deanna, Marion, and Nicholas Mongello. Hello. Hello. What's up? <laughs> wow. And of course, like I said, Becky Mankin from Mouse Fan Travel, who isn't just my travel provider and partner, but she is a member of this ragtag Mongello family clan. Aw, you called me family. I, I'm just reading off the script. <laughs> I just do what, it, what the okay, script I, says. So, so. <laughs> I needed to, I, I'll, I'll give you a little credit for that one. But yes, thanks for having me. I'm so thrilled to be able to talk about this because I have been bursting at the seams ever since we, we disembarked. The Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, where you embark as friends and you disembark as family. And I just made it up on Maybe. the fly, but it's kind of true. Um, and we'll talk about not just the interactions we had with each other, but with other guests, cast, crew, and some uh, out-of-this-world visitors as well. However, before we get started, I'm going to ask you to indulge me for just a minute, or in my case, two, because I want to address something for the first and for the last time. And I mentioned at the intro being a Star Wars fan that really since that fateful day in May 1977. And I've been a Disney fan even longer, going back to not just November of 1971 when I first came to Walt Disney World, but long before that, growing up with the movies and TV with my family. And I've stayed a Disney fan and been become more of a Disney fan since I began this trivia book WDW Radio Journey nearly 19 years ago when I started writing my first book and more importantly on day one show one of the podcast and along the way I've been influenced by nothing more than my heart my head and my love of this place and my internal philosophy of choosing the good which is something that I do with everything I encounter Disney or otherwise and I have, if nothing else, been consistent since the beginning because it's who I am. I am a positive person. I live a positive life. I have a positive outlook. And I hope to be a positive influence on others. And one of the things that I love about podcasting so much is that you can't fake that. You, you can't fake the authenticity. You can't fake the emotion because you, my friend, our friend who's listening, you can hear it and you can tell. And I mention this because... As the launch date for the Galactic Star Cruiser came closer and closer, the internet was the internet and people were people critiquing, bashing, trashing, and complaining about so many things about the Halcyon without ever having stepped foot on board, which is, I think, honestly, not only a bit of disrespectful disservice to the experience, but more importantly to the countless people who brought this concept to life from the creatives at Imagineering and Lucasfilm to the construction workers who meticulously put on the final finishing touches of paint on the sign to the chefs, designers, the cast and crew who worked so tirelessly and put their heart and soul into creating, adjusting, rehearsing, and preparing preparing the, the Halcyon for their first guests. And one of the biggest questions, which continues to be asked maybe somewhat rhetorically, uh, and for some, in my opinion, unwarranted complaints is, is it worth it? Right, And we're going to get to that question later. 
But I want to, at the outset, tell you that there's only one person who can answer that question, and that's you. Why? Because what's worth it is incredibly subjective and wholly subjective and something that only that you can answer, right? Because you have to determine what is, quote unquote, worth it to you, right? Is really good sushi or an exceptional filet mignon worth it? Is it worth it to spend $300 to go to an NFL game? Because that's what it costs. Is it, was it worth it to spend $6,000 to go to a Super Bowl ticket? It depends on you. Is a Lamborghini worth it? A house in Golden Oak? A piece of art? Uh, uh, an annual pass to Walt Disney World? Lightning Lane? These are things that you have to answer yourself. And you have to determine what makes a $1,000 bottle of wine worth more, right? Is it worth it more than the $15 one? Is a is a $5,000 celebrity autograph work, worth it? The list goes on and on. The, the examples that go on and on. Because while we might think that what we do as, as annual pass holders and Disney fans is worth it, I'm sure there's some people who say that a day in Walt Disney World isn't to them, right? Because you can talk about anything and that question can be asked, but it, the answer is ultimately up to you. And for me, the answer usually involves if it makes my family happy, then yeah, it's worth it for me. In the case of the Star Cruiser, you are going to have to determine if this experience is worth it for you. I am not here. None of us are here to tell you one way or the other. We are simply here to share our experience and our feelings, and then you need to weigh what you hear and decide for yourself. Um you know, I, I have my feelings about it. My family will share their feelings about it. Becky will as well. As, as I said at the beginning, I choose to choose the good. I mean, everything that I do, not just in Disney. If you've listened to the show before, you know that that I am unapologetically positive because it's who I am. And I like to talk about the happy things. And I think life is too short not to. So while some people I think out there sometimes look for the negative for the sake of being negative or sometimes for the attention and clicks, that's not who I am. And, and as I said at the beginning, you can go back to my very first book in 2004 and my very first podcast in 2005. And any feelings that I and we have about this experience, we're going to discuss solely based on this voyage, which was not free, was not given to us by Disney or anybody else. Thank you, Mouse Fan Travel, for making this happen. But even when I do, like even when I do attend something that, that's hosted, which I always disclose, my feelings are always my own. And if somebody is not able to separate their personal feelings from an invitation, that's that's on them. That is not on me. So forgive my very long-winded soliloquy, but this was important for me to let you know. And like I said, just as my feelings and experiences are going to be different than anybody else's, including those people who are on this call, you need to take a look at the Star Cruiser with and through your own eyes and perspective. We are only here to help you make an informed decision if you're thinking about going, and if it's not something you're interested in doing, I wanted to give you an idea of what the experience was like for us. And that's the important thing to remember because everybody's experience, for a lot of reasons, is going to be very, very different. I, again, not here to try and convince you of anything or to do anything. I gain nothing either way. I have no horse in the race. Uh, we're just here to share our experiences and uh, let the decisions be up to you. So in thinking about our Galactic Star Cruiser experience, I, I've thought a lot about this, and I really don't think that there is an easy or cohesive way to really convey what this full experience is like, and, and certainly not through a step-by-step -step 
linear discussion of it. And with that, we decided that we want to share our top 10 things you need to know about the Galactic Star Cruiser. And again, before we get into this, I want to be clear that this podcast, nor any video, live video, blog, social post, is not going to be able to do what we did justice. Um, it could be a very lengthy conversation because there's so much to it and there's so much to unpack. But I, I want to qualify what we're going to do by saying that trying to describe and accurate, accurately convey what we experienced during our time on the on the Halcyon is relatively impossible. It's trying to describe some of these amorphous, subjective things that are incredibly difficult. I also want to tell you that we're not going to spoil any things. We will allude to certain aspects of it without any detail, because if you are going to go on the Star Cruiser, and spoiler alert, I hope that you do, we don't want to spoil some of the surprises that are in store for you. Before we get into our list of the things that you need to know, uh, I want to sort of go quickly around the horn Marion, Deanna, Becky, and Nicholas, talk to me a little bit about where your Star Wars fandom exists, right? Because we're, we're all sort of on different levels of fandom. And what were your preconceptions about the Star Cruiser? What were your expectations? What did you think it was going to be like before we even stepped foot on board? Marion? Yeah, so... Um, honestly, I have not been the, the, the biggest Star Wars fan. Um, I've seen the movies. I really enjoy Galaxy's Edge and the ride, but that's just not, um, by the ride, I mean the Star Wars ride. Um, I, it's just not, you know, my, my favorite thing. Um, but going into it, my expectations were definitely set extremely high based on my knowledge of the price point and, um, because I'm a person that, you know, likes to know what's going on. And I like to have an idea of, you know, what it'll be like. I tried not to spoil too much, but I did see some videos before going in. Um, and my expectation was just set super, super high, even though I wasn't, um, you know, a big fan of the Star Wars universe, I guess. Um, and also I'm, you know, a, a huge fan of theater um, and and performing um and, and like technical theater. So I, I was really excited to see how that was going to play into our experience there as well. Right. You were very much coming into this with, and I think wonderfully so, a, a different perspective, again, from the performance, stage management, theatrical aspect to it. And, and I'm sure we'll touch on that later on. Deanna, what about for you? What is sort of very quickly your Star Wars fandom lie? And what were your expectations before you stepped foot on board? I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what type of experience we were going to get ourselves into. I didn't know if we have what if it was going to be new Star Wars movies or old Star Wars movies. And yes, I am a, a Star Wars fan. Not a huge Star Wars fan, but a Star Wars fan. Nicholas? So going into this, my expectations were kind of going both ways at the end of the day. Because I'd heard, like, when I first saw the price point, I was like, they need to over-deliver on this because of how expensive it really is. And I would, when I got in, or like when I first heard about it, I was kind of skeptical on it because I'm not the biggest fan of like the sequels. And I was worried that I was going to focus on just that. So my expectations were kind of going both ways. I was super excited in terms of what they could do with it, but also skeptical because of like how they would execute it. 
Yeah, and you and I talked a lot about this when it was first announced at D23 Expo because I think we were very much of the same mindset. From an outside perspective looking in, I was the same way. I was optimistically cautious and hesitant because I said, because this is for Star Wars fans and Disney fans, where our levels of standards and expectations are so incredibly high, they absolutely need to over-deliver. And the more detail that came out, including things like price point, I said, wow, you really need to exceed expectations on a level that we might not have seen before. From a fan perspective, admittedly, and I've said this on the show before, my fandom very squarely set, sits or sat in the 1977 original trilogy. Um, it was lost a little bit for the prequels and even more so when the second, when the third trilogy came out. It was rekindled thanks to The Mandalorian and places like Galaxy's Edge, but I really was wondering not just how I, but how others would respond to this, especially because Disney, I think, had sort of that impossible choice in where do we set this? Where do we set this in terms of timetable? Because if it's original trilogy in 1977, well, now all of a sudden a younger generation of fan might not have that same emotional attachment to it because those are quote unquote old movies. If it's based on some of the newer properties, then maybe you lose. So there is that very, very difficult choice and balance. And I could imagine what those conversations across boardrooms or Zoom over the years had to be because how do you try and appeal to all Star Wars fans across the board? And the answer is you can't. So, Becky, you and I obviously talked a lot about this, too, from the moment it was announced because we were at we we're in the room in, in D23 Expo back in 2000, 2019. But tell me about, again, your sense of Star Wars fandom and then your levels of expectation as a fan from a travel perspective, etc. Yeah, exactly. I am a Star Wars fan. I'm not an Uber fan. I I can't tell you exactly what you know characters are from what planets, but I love the movies and I love the stories behind them. So when this was first announced, I was excited at the the thought of walking into this world, into these stories, into uh, the, this wonderful galaxy that I had come to know since, you know, 1977. But what really got me when we heard about what this was, is that for me, from a travel industry perspective, this is a disruptor. This is something that no one else has really done to this scale before. Sure, you have um, one day theme things going on, but never a place you walk into the story like you're walking into a movie and being part of it. So my expectations, I got to say, kind of bounced around a little bit because at some points I had some low expectations thinking, how are they really going to, to execute this? How is it going to be pulled off? The price point, you know, that's something that everybody's talking about. So for that, I'm expecting them to just knock it out of the park because there's a lot of investment, an investment of time and investment of money for this, this adventure over two nights. And it was so amazing to try to think through all of the options and all the possibilities and thinking about where they could take something like this. And I'm you know, happy to say that we now know where it's gone 
And um, just so thrilled to be able to talk more about it in detail, because for the longest time, they have held everything so close to their vest that we didn't get a chance to really understand what this was going to be. And now we know. That being said, we want to share 10 things that you need to know about Galaxy, uh, about the Galactic Star Cruiser, whether you are thinking about going on a voyage of your own or you just are curious to know more about it. And I think the first question that you have to ask yourself is, what is it? So number one is, what is it? And I want to start by answering by saying what it is not. And it is not, without doubt, this is not a Star Wars hotel. It is very much a a misnomer that is sometimes attached to this because that is not what you are paying for. You are not paying for a hotel or a hotel room. I think the room overall makes up 5% of your overall experience. What you are paying for is this next level of interaction and personalization, which are buzzwords we've heard over the years and continue to hear. But this is something that has never been done before. And and I think we all sort of keep describing it the same way. It is this marriage of interactive theater, a cruise line experience, an escape room, a choose-your-own role-playing adventure combined with video games, puzzle solving, and a dinner theater show. It just happens to be attached to a very cool and well-themed place to sleep at night. Um, And I know there's also been a lot of discussion about the look and feel, right? The look and feel of this halcyon vessel versus what you've seen. And we'll talk about um, the choices that were made and what it looks and feels like. But something else that this is not, this is not a relaxing vacation. And I mean that in the most wonderful way. It is wonderfully exhausting. And we'll explain why. Because it's also dependent on you because you decide how participatory you want to be. And I think we can all agree that the more you choose to participate, the better your experience will be. What does that mean? If you choose to come in costumes, your interaction with the cast and crew, your curiosity leading you through different locations, the choices you make, the alliances and allegiances. So, It's not a hotel, but it is this very truly, and I think, and this is where I want to sort of hear your thoughts, it is this immersive experience, and I know we talk about these things a lot, but it is unlike anything else that I have seen or experienced anywhere. So, Becky, Marion, Deanna, Nicholas, in terms of, again, from a 30,000-foot view, because we're going to go into the details about immersion, the interaction, the characters, etc., but... What try and sort of encapsulate and describe what this experience overall is like. Try and put that in your own words because I think it's an it's an interesting sort of perspective and discussion to sort of help people understand what it is and what it is not and what your time on board is like. And that's part of the challenge is to actually put this into words because it was more of a feeling than it really was something that you can describe, which is like you said, it's part video game. It's part dinner mystery theater. It's part puzzle room. It's part resort stay. But the thing that I could, as I walked away from it, I didn't even expect the amount of time 
and the amount of effort and the amount of um, immersion, I guess I don't really like that word because I think it's overused, but just how exhausted I was at the end of the day, but how excited I was to get up as early as I could in the next morning to attack the missions and things that we had coming at us. So Nicholas, give me your sort of quick expression of what the Star Cruiser experience is like overall without getting into the specifics. Because I think trying to describe it, especially from your perspective, both as your age and where you are in terms of your Star Wars fandom, describe what the Star Cruiser experience is like. It's really tough because, as you mentioned, the Star Cruiser experience is so many different elements like combined together into this one like of Star Wars amalgamation of amazingness. And like the best way I can describe it would probably just be like your Star Wars story because every single element just combines together to create a story that's distinctly yours with your with characters and like events that happen and so much more that like it's really hard to describe. But I think that's the best way to put it. Deanna, Marion, any any thoughts to add? I agree with Becky and Nicholas completely, but just quick words to tell you exactly some of the experiences. It was fun, immersive, exciting, exhausting, and very suspenseful. And every day you couldn't wait to see where you were going to go, what you were going to do, what you were going to experience, who you were going to see, what mission you were on. So it was, it was a lot of fun. So I have to say that I am the type of person I want to look at all the little details and just every detail about the experience made you feel just totally immersed, like Nick said, in your Star Wars story. And it's really interesting. There's really nothing else like it, how everyone is going to have a completely unique experience from the food that you eat to the performers you interact with. Um, Every part of it is totally unique to what you choose to do. Um, which I think is just a super cool, um, and, and really there's nothing, it's never been seen before. Like, like it has been here. So. Yeah. And the, one other thing I wanted to add is, is something I wanted to punctuate with, which Becky, you alluded to the thing that surprised me most was how emotional this experience was. I, if you watch the live video, you heard me talk about it. I am Not too proud to admit, I cried on more than one occasion, both boarding the ship, watching my kids' reactions. Even I saw one of the Imagineers, uh, Anne Mara Johnson, was was on board, and I went over to thank her, and I broke down. Like, not even, like, choked up. Like, I literally just broke down from a parent perspective, from, you know— nine-year-old Lou Mangiello who thought about doing something like this with his dad and played with Star Wars toys on my carpet for more hours than I can remember. This is what I had dreamed of. Like, this is literally what I dreamed of doing. I'm crying. She starts crying. And I think that is the most wonderful testimony we can give to that experience is the tears of joy, the laughter we all shared. Again, I don't remember having this much fun with you guys in a long, long time. And It has nothing to do with Star Wars. It has to do with the storytelling that takes place on board. For me, number two, again, I alluded to the fact that it's called the Star Wars Hotel. This is not a hotel. There just happens to be a Star Wars Hotel themed there. Your experience is 95% 
in the areas that are outside of your cabin. That being said, I think it's important just to talk about a little bit the types of cabins and what the cabin experience is like. There's basically three different classes of cabins, and Becky, you being the resident travel agent, I'll let you describe what those three, the, the standard cabin the, and the two different suites are. Right. The standard cabin uh, sleeps four or five passengers, uh, depending on if it's got one of the um, the fold-down uh beds that is coming out of the wall, which is really amazing. I do have to mention though, those standard cabins are the ones that have the two bunk beds that you see in a lot of the pictures. And a lot of people look at those and think, oh, those are great for kids. Well, yeah, they're great for kids, but you can actually put an adult in there pretty comfortably. As a matter of fact, Lou, I watched you walk (laughs) in that room, scurry up that ladder as fast as you possibly could and said, the bunk bed is mine. Now, I don't know what (laughs) happened after that, but you looked pretty comfortable in the darn thing. So I think that it's scurry is a relative term when talking about me, but that's okay. Well, for these purposes, this, this is, this is true, but you were, you scurried. I watched you do it. So, but it just kind of goes to the fact that you could probably put four adults pretty comfortably in there. If you had a bunch of friends that were sharing um, the next category up is the galaxy class suite. It sleeps four passengers. It's like a one bedroom suite, which has the the same bedding, but then you also have a a little living area that's attached. And then the one that we were lucky enough to stay in was the grand captain suite. And this can sleep up to eight passengers. Um, It was really comfortable and it had a lot of space. One bedroom has uh, just a, a, a queen bed. The other bedroom is like a standard cabin with the two bunk beds, the queen bed, and then the um, the trundle that comes out of the wall. And then there's also uh, another trundle that is in the main living area. It also has a small kitchenette with a refrigerator, a sink, that type of thing in, in that main common room when you first walk in. Uh, it also has two bathrooms. The master bath has a double sink. And a shower that could probably fit 16 people. And if you really wanted to, that thing was huge. It has double shower heads and it's, you know, very comfortable to move around in. Uh, The other bathroom has a single sink and then a shower. So you could easily put eight people in there. From my perspective, unless you do have a, a big family, you don't spend a lot of time in these cabins. So I probably wouldn't suggest to spend the extra money to get into these larger uh, cabins if you didn't um, didn't need the space or didn't need a whole bunch of people to be together. That's just my personal opinion. But you do have three options for space and cabins on board, and they are so beautifully designed for the story with the, the very clean line, still an industrial look and feel that you would have on a, on a space cruiser. I, I felt very um, much into the story from everything that was around us. And the details were amazing with the, um, uh, the logo from the cruise line was pretty much embossed on everything <laughs> from the, the pillowcases to the, um, to the blankets that were on the bed to the, the soap dispensers. All of it had that, that theming that you would like, if you walk into any hotel and you see the different things and brands that are themed. We had that experience like you were walking on a cruise line. So I agree with you in terms of because of the amount of time that you spend in your room, as cool as the rooms are, 
you aren't spending a lot of time in there. And even if you're not overly participatory, I don't imagine a lot of people just sort of hung out in their room, although there was plenty of space in both the standard room as well as the expanded space as well. One thing I do want to mention is you have the the view screens, the, the sort of windows out into space, which you could dim at night. My kids were disappointed that you couldn't keep them on at night. They wanted sort of that view into space, <laughs> but they are illuminated on the outside frame, which is unfortunate. But one of the things that really is, I think, an interesting aspect of the room is your D309 artificial intelligent droid. There's a button uh, on the a small view screen in your cabin that allows you to communicate with this droid that was built by the founder of the Chandrilla Starline who chats with you about your day, your itinerary. More importantly, she's there to answer questions. So if you have questions about your journey or what's coming up on not just the overall schedule, but more importantly, your individualized schedule, she knows what is the, the communications and the schedule that are on your data pads. More importantly, she can answer questions that you have about what is coming up, and she will also ask you. She knows where your allegiances are to the Resistance or the First Order. If she has trust in you, if she sees that you're a member of the Resistance, she might help you unlock some of the restricted areas of the ship that you might not gain access to otherwise. So while it's part Alexa, it very much is attuned to what is going on as far as your personalized experience. I almost wish we had more time in the room to spend with her, but in the morning and in the evening, I suggest clicking on the button and chatting with her because you'll be very surprised about some of not just the dialogue that you'll get but the answers you get to your questions as well marion and then nicholas especially i know that when we walked in one of the things that got me choked up was your reactions to that room i haven't seen you react that way since you guys were little kids give me your thoughts just very quickly about the overall staterooms so i was super you know i did not know what to expect going into the stateroom because you know walking into the atrium and all the other spaces like you know, my jaw dropped at how it truly is just such an immersive experience and going into the stateroom felt like, you know, the same thing. Um, Seeing that window out to space was like one of the coolest moments ever. It's like an elevated version of a mix of a TV and a window on a cruise ship. Um, And I feel like that can kind of replace your veranda style room because you're getting a view of literally the stars in space. Um, And I have to say, you know, going into it, I wasn't sure the direction that they would be going with the staterooms. Um, since Star Wars is, you know, a lot of people know it for sort of that, like, I don't know exactly the right way to articulate it, but you know, it's kind of like this almost like dirty, like things are kind of thrown around depending on where you are. The only place that you see that's super like crisp and clean is the, the places, you know, in the first order. I don't know exactly how to describe it. The first order, the death star, the star destroyer are like, crisp and clean and even rise of the resistance everything is like the floors are waxed and I was like I feel like that's not the direction they're going um but you go in and it's like a luxury the best way I could describe it is like if an astronaut could design a luxury cruise line stateroom like it was super it, it still felt like a space room like a space vibe but it was 
super elevated and, and super clean. Everything had the little touches like embroidery on the towels. Um, and like they put little stickers on your toilet paper. Like it was super elevated and it felt like you were on a luxury cruise line, but it was also space. Well, and I want to quickly put a pin in that because if you want to sort of, and we'll talk about the, the comparative aspect later on, if you want to compare this to a resort hotel, this is very, very much an upscale. Like this would be like a deluxe plus resort in Walt Disney World. Nick? Okay, so the rooms for me, like I know you barely spent any time there, but it's one of my favorite parts because of how it's like a, a such a nice room with like very high end like decoration and high end like everything but still is distinctly Star Wars because of all the different elements from like your little droid buddy that's on your wall that like you can come back and talk to and they know your schedule. I remember when it told us that like, oh yeah, you're going to Oga's Cantina tomorrow. And I was like, holy crud, like how did it know? (laughs) And like everything about the room, like even the soap dispensers in the shower are different from normal soap dispensers. They're like, but you hit like a button and like the soap comes at the bottom. And it's just the little tiny things like that that make it feel nice and high end and like a deluxe resort, as you said, but also make it feel distinctly Star Wars. Yeah, and I think that the the integration of the theming, the elegance, the comfort, uh, and the immersion because of the droid is really what makes the cabin so attractive. But again, because of the amount of time that you spend in there, unless you are going with a large group of friends or a large family, I think a standard cabin is way more than enough. But that actually will lead mm-hmm. us to number three on my list, which is immersion. And I think immersion takes on new meaning. And what I want to sort of talk about here is the theming and the environment. And inclusive in, in that is the merchandise because there are so many incredibly well-themed locations throughout the entire ship that you can either choose to explore on your own, you can follow the action as it's happening in different locations, you can perform your individual or group missions, or just go to some of the things on the schedule that are interesting and attractive to you. You can just wander the ship and find activities almost as they are taking place, uh, which is even more so different than what you might find on a cruise line. And there's a number of incredibly well-themed rooms. We mentioned that grand atrium. When you first walk in, you instantly are are dropped into this environment that makes you realize you sort of pass through this portal and you are no longer in 900 degrees Orlando. You feel as though you're in space. The fact that there are no windows makes no difference because you don't even realize it. It's a it's a bright, open, cavernous room. Even places like the sublight lounge, the engineering room, the cargo hold, the Jedi training room are so well-themed in terms of placing you in different parts of the story. And I know one of my favorite spaces was like Marion's. They have a climate simulator, which just happens to be themed like Batu. If you do feel the need to go outside, it actually is an outside space that has a lot of uh, real plant life sort of growing on the walls and this wonderful section in the middle with the stacking stones, which I'll let Marion talk about because I know she spent a lot of time there and that was one of her favorite places. But I want you to sort of go around 
and just quickly touch on the theming of the locations and some of your favorite spaces on board. Uh, Deanna? So the attention for detail was absolutely amazing in every room that you went into. The feeling that you get when you walk into that atrium, it's like overwhelming. It's like that, oh my goodness. And then when you start going to all these different rooms for these missions, like and going to the portals and following um, your group on a different journey, like the the way that the experience is created is unbelievable how everyone has their own separate, you know, experience going to all these different rooms. I thought it was just that the theming was was perfect. Did you have a space on board that was one of your favorites, whether it was going somewhere on a mission? Was it the, a dining room, the sublight lounge, the atrium? I love the sublight lounge because of all the coloring. And I also love the engineering room because of all the detail and all the different things that you you were able to do in there and experience. So those were two of my favorite places on, on, on board. Nicholas, what about for you? So one of my favorite spaces on the Star Cruiser would probably be the Sublight Lounge because it how it fits into like the Star Wars vibe and also like the very luxury aesthetic of the entire ship. The drinks are all super good. The appetizers are super duper delicious and like the perfect snack to have like before dinner. And the Sabak table is so fun because you and a group of your family or friends or even like just random people that you meet on the ship can all go down and have a game of space poker. So I think that's why it's my favorite part on the ship. Nothing like raising a little gambler in, in my family. <laughs> Becky, I'm going to go out on a linge and say you too probably love the, su- well, the Sublight Lounge not because of Sabak, but because of the bar and cordials and cocktails. Well, clearly, I mean, that's not really a stretch for me now, is it? The Sublight Lounge was pretty amazing. And I, I do like how they themed it. It felt like it was another world lounge with uh, the, the, the decor and the lighting. But the I love the atrium. I really love the atrium with all of the different spaces that you can sit. It's big enough to have pretty much everybody in there for some of the activities that we did. Uh, but attached to that, I think, is my very favorite space, um, which is the bridge. Uh, I think the bridge was probably the thing that impressed me the most from how it's set up. It still looks like it's functional uh, from a story perspective, but you are also um, able to train in there on various things. And so it's it was set up in such a way that you really could dive into the story and it's it was just it was easy to buy into the story. It was easy to believe that I was on board a spaceship. Well, and to your and point about things like the bridge, the bridge was not only impressive just to step foot on. Like you very mm-hmm. easily buy into those screens, which are your sort of viewports, which run the entire length of the bridge. You almost forget, just like when you're in your room, that you're looking out into something that is is manufactured it's almost not real but having those four different sections with individualized stations where when you go through training you have these sort of different tasks you're supposed to perform and then you rotate through so you get a chance to put your hands on shields and you know moving cargo around firing lasers which are all going to become an important part of your story and the overall ship story Later on, and places like the engineering room, which, again, Mm -hmm. 
amazing theming, but there is there are things to do there. It's it's why we sort of describe it as part escape room because there are puzzles that you can solve on your own because as part of this overall mission as well as individualized missions and we'll get to that a little bit later that you are given throughout your journey to move forward the story either for the first order or for the resistance or sometimes for individual characters that might recruit you along the way as well so yeah one of my favorite spaces um on the star cruiser as you said earlier was the climate simulation room although i feel like it's kind of tucked away um in the back of the ship it's definitely i feel like a hidden gem because there were a few times i just went in there to sort of you know take a step back again everything's super high paced um and there's always something to do but you know i just wanted to check it out and see what was happening um and i was intrigued because i'd been hearing people talk about like this rock stacking room um because basically in the center there's this um i don't know any way to describe it other than like a rock garden there are these really large almost boulders and then these uh small smooth rocks kind of like river rocks all in there that um people just sort of stack up um and they they say you know there were this oh my gosh i'm gonna butcher the name again saja saha Mm -hmm people in there um who which are which are performers uh characters on the on the ship um that you know talk to you about the force and uh you know finding your inner power being a jedi and and there were some events that weren't on the itinerary happening in the client in the climate simulation room that were some of my favorite moments on my entire trip um that i wouldn't have even known about um unless i i was in the right place at the right time and i'm sure that there are many rooms and many experiences that I wasn't able to take part in just because, um, you know, everything is so unpredictable and unique. And I think that's the beauty in it, um, is that you, it it really makes your experience so special because everybody's going to have a little bit, um, you know, something different that they've done that, you know, you can tell another passenger be like, Oh my gosh, I'm so cool. That's so cool. I didn't even know that was happening. I was in the other room with this person doing this. And then, you know, it's really cool. And the climate simulator is interesting because it was tucked away. There weren't necessarily missions that you could go there. It was a place if you wanted some time either outside and or often alone because it wasn't usually people there. We'll talk a little bit more about the Saja later on. But I love the fact that they had those stacking stones. or They're called cairns, which sort of, you know, metaphorically – you, you place them along a trail to show that you're on the right track and the fact that the Sadra are in there helping you along your, your Jedi path, showing that you're on the right path, it sort of fits so well into the story and is just a, a very beautiful, quiet, and like you said, Marion, out-of-the-way space. One thing I want to talk about in terms of the immersion and the theming and the environment, and, and I think this is sort of a, a good place to put it here, is your ability to take some of what you experience Home And I know for a lot of people, merchandise, merchandising, um, Galactic Star Cruiser, the flamethrower, the kids love it. The, there is a, a Chandrilla Star Collection uh, store inside there that, show, that, that has clothes, costumes, and jewelry. Again, depending on how immersed you want to be in the story, you don't need to bring your own Star Wars costume. You can buy one there. There are... There are, there are sort of elegant robes for women. There are tunics for men and kids. There's lightsabers, both play and quote-unquote real sabers, as well as a shield similar to the one that you use 
in the Jedi training room. A couple of things I want to point out about the merchandise, and I've, I've posted videos and um, some uh, photos on my uh, social, and I'll post them again in the show notes at www.radio.com. A couple of things that I want to point out that you really might want to think about or like. One is, it was sort of a throwaway thing. They have a, uh, a Chandrilla Star Collection themed gift card that you can buy for a $15 minimum, which I think is a really cool, simple takeaway. Much like buying uh, merchandise in Walt Disney World, there are obviously limits on the amount that you can bring home. There are AP and DVC discounts. Outside, when you disembark on the final day, there is another merchandise store that has very different merchandise that has actually the words Star Wars on it because Star Wars does not exist Inside the Halcyon, remember Star Wars is sort of a an Earth construct. It, it is an Earth fictional movie. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit later on about something that's a little bit secret uh, in terms of merchandise as well. But for any of you, just sort of jump in. Was there any merchandise? Well, I know the answer to this because I got the credit card receipt. But was there any merchandise that you loved, you were impressed by, you necessarily needed to take home? Nicholas, I know like your eyes were bugging out of your heads and you and you are sort of a lightsaber connoisseur slash collector and needed to bring home that lightsaber, which is exclusive to the Halcyon. So at first when I saw the lightsaber, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, I don't know if I'll get it, but then... But then once you get to like lightsaber training and you get to wield it and you just see it illuminate, I was just like, yeah, I'm getting one. I'm bringing it home. And just like the lightsaber's design is so simple, but it's so like it's so well done. And it's so and even the one in the shop is really, really well made. Like it'd be great to like put up on your wall or even just like use like as a toy if you even wanted to. Like it's just such a great thing to bring home. Like if you really loved lightsaber training that much is a great thing to bring home with you and it just looks really really I, cool i may have had to bring home a lightsaber <laughs> not necessarily that i needed any of this stuff but it was really cool between the pins the lightsaber the shield the um and, and some things that were interesting like the coffee mugs everything that was branded with that cruise line um logo it was Lots of choices, pins, notebooks, again, pins again, because I just can't keep my hands off pins. Uh, but for me, I would have loved to have uh, bought one of the costumes there too, because they have some robes, they've got the tunics, um, a, a lot of different choices for you to bring a little bit of space back home with you. I just wanted to talk quickly again about that, that you know, the, the whole aspect of on the ship everything is only branded with the Starline logo and, and off the ship, everything is with Star Wars because I think that that just adds again to the whole factor of immersion and, and how it feels like you really are not on your home planet when you're on the ship. And that, and I, you know, that's one of the little details that sort of ties everything together. So. So moving on to number four on my list, it's going to tie back to a word that that Becky sort of used uh, while she was describing the merchandise, and it was about choices. And for me, number four is what you do impacts very much what and how much you do. And I was incredibly impressed at just how we talked about this being a choose-your-own-adventure. This is not sort of a scripted story 
that you happen to follow along the way, the choices you make, the alliances and allegiances you make will absolutely dictate how your adventure goes. And the only way I can keep on referring to this as if you imagine a flowchart with layers upon layers of questions and possible answers and outcomes, the exponential possibilities of where your path can take you are mind-boggling. And it happens not just in the missions that you are given as a group, sort of the collection, the, the collective on board, but the individualized missions that you will get. So there are ones that will be scheduled and you'll see that will come across on your data pad. We'll, we'll touch on that in a minute. But there are also these decision-based missions and pop-ups and diversionary tactics that happen throughout the ship. So what you do might impact whether you return to the bridge later on to take part in a battle, to take on a job in Imagineering, to lock up stormtroopers in the brig, to help Chewie perform a Jedi task or even meet in secret. There are so many unexpected and fun scenarios and there are so many variables. And I think that's the thing about this that is different because how much you do is really up to you, right? Like we were very fully participatory. We actively participated in the interactive story as much as we could. We interacted with who and what, because there are, you know, not just your data pad, but screens throughout the ship as much as we could, where I think there were other people that sort of participate a little bit, watch on other times, taking some breaks. And I think you can, I don't think you'll enjoy it as much if maybe you are less extroverted, less participatory, you can sort of watch and follow as if you're sort of watching you know, a murder mystery sort of unfold around you, not actively participate. But the fact that you can create your own story and that no two stories and experiences will be the same was incredibly exciting. And I think that's how and why it kept the energy up so much. And, and to that point, feeding off the energy of other guests as well you are very highly encouraged to interact with the cast, the crew, as well as other guests. There are times like, for example, at dinner where if you want to sort of solve a puzzle, you need to go to other tables and find out who has that other piece of the matched puzzle to you. But I love the fact that you can choose to do certain missions. You can seek out additional experiences on your own and sometimes accidentally wander and and come upon scenarios that are unfolding that are not part of anything that is previously scripted on your data pad through your droid or anything else like that. Becky? Yeah, I think that this is the real value that you're getting from this experience. I had so much fun trying to figure all of this out and I really got into it. Um, I, it, it was amazing how everything changed depending on who you talk to, the answers that you, that you answered in the comms, all of those interactive pieces. I, I didn't expect to jump in. I'm kind of a, an introvert when it comes to this type of um, theater thing on display. I'm, I'm a tech. I'm the person that's usually in the back against the wall watching it all happen, but I couldn't help myself. There was one point where I caught the eye of one of the characters and he came over and talked to me and we 
had an exchange. And then later on, he called my name and got me involved in something else. And I really think that you're going to have the most, um, the, a rich, immersive experience. If you just kind of jump all in, talk to everybody, get involved with the missions, follow along. If something doesn't look right, go over there and check it out. You really have to, uh, I guess I should back up and say, you don't have to at all. You can just watch it all unfold, like you said, but the value of the experience that we're all so excited about, literally not just excited, we were giddy. We were laughing. We were giggling. We were running up and down stairs. We were going after these different characters and, and trying to follow along what was what was going on. And, and then there were these too, pieces. going off on our own, yes, like micro adventures. Exactly. That was what I was just going to say. It's all of a sudden we were we thought we were doing this together, and then it became a oh, I've got to go over here in ten minutes, and, and somebody else is like, well, I'm not going there. I'm supposed to be in the engineering room, and and it. It, at first, it kind of felt a little weird that we were going to split up. And then it was like, oh, dude, I have to go do this thing. <laughs> so <laughs> I will see you later. We'll come back of together. Your missions. Like, oh, yes. you didn't get this one. I got this. Sorry, Dad. I got you're not this coming one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I think that that's what was part of the whole fun of it is that then you became a little FOMO. It was like, wait a minute. You got what? <laughs> How did you get that one? And where are you going? And then you wanted to to follow your own path, but yet you want to see other people's paths. I, I just, I think that whole piece is the real juicy center of this experience is how much you're willing to get involved because this is when you walk into the movie, when you walk into the story and it's up to you how much you want to be a part. And you literally well, can too- be locked out of certain areas. Like if you don't make That's certain what I was choices just that say. lead you, yeah, certain places, there is yeah. a crew member with a data pad who says, no, you don't have access to this restricted area, whether it's the bridge wah, wah. or the brig. Right. Or, but you go to the portal and you tap your band and it tells you like what rooms you have access to. Like you're trying to get somewhere where like maybe your family is and you're like, nope, I can't go because I have no access to that room. So that was really cool too. Right, and there, there's these, there are micro puzzles, for lack of a better word, both on right. the data pad as well as on these interactive screens throughout the ship. So you are, you're given a mission on your data pad. You have to go to the screen. You've got to solve this puzzle that will lead you to the next clue. And sometimes you have to work in tandem with other people, right. not necessarily in your family, mm-hmm. but in the group right. as well. The trying to get trying to get the code to get in the brig when you're screaming in numbers back and forth to people. And it was not sometimes it wasn't Marion or Nicholas. It was like someone else, you know, that was like, okay, I want to get in too. And we were like screaming the numbers so that they could you could open the door. It was really cool. Yeah. And one thing that I really enjoyed too was that the characters, not just that, the servers, everybody that's on board pulls you into it. If if you're kind of, I'm not sure what I'm doing here, there's going to be a character that comes over and talks to you and gets you involved in the story and asks you about you so that you feel a little bit more comfortable. Again, introvert, didn't really feel, feel comfortable as, at first. But the moment that I decided, well, all right, everybody's going to do their thing. Everyone is split everywhere. I think, Nicholas, you were probably with me. I'm not sure, if, Lou, if you were or not, but we we started to go down the stairs and I heard one of the characters call my name from an elevator. And that was immediately, well, I can't stand him up. I'm going to go have to help him, which got us all in the elevator. So it, it it's masterful and brilliant the way that they've pulled this together. And whether it's them calling your own name 
or calling the name of somebody in your group, the level of excitement rises. Look, I'm not, I will not lie. Like when having Sammy, the mechanic, call your name out and come to you and say, Lou, I need your help. You need to go over here and do this. Like you can't help but be, uh, again, that nine-year-old, like we were giddy. We were giddy. Like right. We were laughing we and having totally so were. much fun. And right. taking it wonderfully seriously. Like I have a mission to do and I need to focus on it because <laughs> yeah. what you yeah. do also impacts the other guests as well. So Nicholas and, and Marion. Right. Yeah. Talk you talk a little bit late. about that aspect, that interactive um, decision making and missions, etc. Okay. So in terms of how you have your adventure. The first place that it starts is right when you get out of your car at the terminal. You get to the terminal and they hand you an iPhone 12 or your data pad so that you can completely stay immersed in the story without having to worry about notifications or anything from your phone. Then you get on the, you get on the ship and you like look around the atrium and you explore for a little bit. And then you'll start seeing characters walking around. And then you can go like and interact with them. And like talk to them, and then you'll get like a com on your data pad telling you like, oh hey, go to a console, access this, and then meet me in the engineering room. And all of these little like messages that you get, and like depending on who you interact with, will like it'll bring you to all these different places and let you do all these different things. And you choose like through your data pad who you interact with and what you do and how you do it. Hello. Yeah, getting that data pad when you first check in was an unexpected surprise. So you're given a bag. Everyone gets an M band, a magic band, which is themed with the Cendrilla Starline logo, and a loner iPhone 12. Which, to your point, Nick, you know, some people was like, "Well, I don't know if I like carrying two devices." I love carrying two devices. Why? Because if you were checking the data pad in the Play Disney Parks app on your own phone. It is too easy to get a text, a Facebook notification, an email, and take you out of the story. I did not check my phone hardly at all during this voyage and experience because I was so focused on what I needed to do. I allowed myself to be immersed in that story. The fact that everybody gets their own device allows you to have that individualized, compartmentalized experience, although especially if you have maybe older parents, younger kids, you can share devices so you can sort of gather around a single screen. screen. But I love the fact that the app not only knows your reservations, your choices, the the missions, the interactions that you're having with the the cast and crew, and we'll, we'll get to it when we talk about Galaxy's Edge, but how what you're doing on that data pad and on the ship impacts what you do on Batu and vice versa, we we will very much get to that. Marion, anything you want to add just in terms of the, the decision making and the personalization and then the the impact of what you do on board? Yeah. So again, a lot of it is sort of right place, right time. If you're by like Becky said, if you're by if she hadn't stayed by the elevator to to have somebody call out her name, she could have gone in a totally different direction and her night would have been completely changed and perhaps her whole stay would have been different um just because of who you talk to and and when you're where you are when you're there um for instance atrium always had someone in it something going on a lot of the times one of the 
one of the characters, Sandra was always there and we were able to, to talk to him. Um, and there's, you know, definitely different paths that you can go down that will totally alter the, the, the type of experience and, and ultimately what you end up taking away, um, from, from it. Um, and even those little interactions that aren't on the, um, data pads on your events, um, like in the climate room or in, in the, the cargo hold, um, could be, you know, little things that, that really can alter and, and change your, change your time there. And again, the, the data pads and the comms are so important to, to be checking all the time, to be responding to all the time. If you have an event, um, lit up on, on your data pad in yellow, that, that means that you probably shouldn't miss it. Um, you can, but it's always recommended that you, you go to the ones that are highlighted yellow on your, um, basically your navigator, um, itinerary. Um, but yeah, right place, right time. And, and who you, you know, you're able to choose exactly what you want. So whoever, if you go in saying, I am going to end up with the first order, you probably will end up with the first order unless somebody comes along your way and you're like, Oh, I want to hang out with them. They're cooler. Um, yeah. Which is the, the best part of it. Well, and I think that's a great segue into it's what I have next on my list, but it's almost the one that I wish I, I mentioned first or save to last because space is filled with some very interesting characters that you should say hi to, but none of this happens without the cast and the crew on board the Halcyon. And what I mean by that is one from a crew member, a, the crew of the Halcyon, everyone who's there, whether they are a quote unquote, a character or not has their own story, but just quickly sort of, separating ourselves from the story aspect this ship the hotel the 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 interactive experience has that disney level of service and attention and the you know the cast is different than the crew there are people who are there who are guest relations and dining and everything else but every single interaction that i had was above and beyond that level of service even for disney like it was overly exceptional and i was very attentive to watching interactions between the cast and crew not just with us and and the people who were in our party but with other people as well i loved seeing the way things were handled from a story perspective and from a service perspective uh, and the wow moments that i found were being created not just for us but for other guests as well everybody i saw had a smile on their face. Everybody I saw was so into it, and it, it is 1,000% attributable to the people who have made this dream a reality. As an extension of that, the characters that are, for the most part, brand new, right? These are not characters that you know from a Star Wars universe, although, spoiler alert, you will see some characters that have stepped out from some of your favorite movies, but Captain Keevan and Lena Mock, and when I first saw the concept art for Sammy the Mechanic, I'm like, he's a throwaway character, no big deal. I fell in love with Sammy. Like, every Sammy literally steals the show <laughs> in every way possible. Lieutenant Croy from the First Order, like, sold it. Like, you believed he mm-hmm. stepped right out of a movie. There's an R2 droid. Gaia, like Twi'lek singer was remarkably good. We'll talk about the first night's dinner and show from Gaia. I, I 
again, my expectation levels for what this show was going to be like, her character, her singing voice was spectacular. Marion mentioned Sandro and Wraith Cole and Unani and the virtual assistant. There's stormtroopers that almost seem to be everywhere. And Marion, you mentioned earlier that the Saja, who was sort of the the guardians of the knowledge and the teachings of the Force, you may remember them from Rogue One, where they were sort of descendants of the guardians of the wills, and they were sort of the protect, protectors of the last Jedi temple. The, the survivors sort of found safe haven here. And while they aren't Jedi, they can sense the Force in others. They can teach others how to find their connections to the Force, which is what we saw happening a lot of times on these sort of free-roaming characters. And I think while you don't need to be a Star Wars fan, the more you know, the more you can interact, the more you can have deeper conversations with some of these characters. But you can go in as much of us did, knowing nothing, and they pull you into the story. And the more you allow yourself to just go with it, follow along as, you know, they are walking around or introduce yourself, you will be amazed and it will absolutely enhance your experience to an exponential level. So talk a little bit about uh, each of you, your character interactions or some of your favorite characters or character moments uh marion diana becky nicholas yeah so again the saja were definitely some that i feel like could be underrated or or overlooked because you don't see them around quite as much um but they were super cool characters to interact with and they sort of had some um little i guess micro missions or side journeys um that were happening um another performer i i just absolutely loved was gaia she was you know from a theatrical standpoint, just everything about her character um, made total sense in the universe. And she was an outstanding um, singer. And I just really enjoyed how like, I I don't really want to spoil anything, I guess, but you walk in and they're like, guys, Gaia is the best singer in the galaxy. And you're like, oh my God, she is. Not like literally walking in knowing nothing. Like they kind of are like, guys like they they hype her up so much you're like wow maybe she is the best performer in the galaxy you kind of leave like and you're so immersed in it um and you talk to your friend I remember talking to my friends when I'm back home I'm like yeah and Gaia sang and they're like who um <laughs> but it was it yeah definitely the, them but you know I have to say all the performers were just so incredibly talented and really <clears throat> immersed everyone in in what was happening and just, I want to just make a quick point because you mentioned Gaia, and I love the foresight of Imagineering, because again, this product, this this housing has been in development since Galaxy's Edge has been. It's sort of been going on in parallel. One of Gaia's songs, the Ula Shuka, has actually been on the soundtrack in Oga's Cantina since opening day of Galaxy's Edge. So they planted the seed for this character before the Halcyon ever launched. Wow, I didn't know that. That's kind of cool. I'm full of useless knowledge. You are just <laughs> full. Um, I'm full you know, of a the lot other, of things, I'm sure. But the, yeah, the other thing too, though, is like I loved how all of the staff walked around with their hand behind their back, and they had that like it was like seamless. Like they all had the same walk, and they their presentation, like with all of the um, the food and 
and the drinks and stuff was was so cool. And they would always say something. What did they say to you when they passed you? They said, "Well, there, there's you know there, there's uh, another language at, uh, that they, so I think tabuite was one of the things that they would say a lot, which means cherish the moment." Right, right. So I thought that was really cool too. And good um, journeys. The good. What was it? Good journey. Good, good journey. Right. Good journey. Right. And it made you feel like when they said that to you, it made you feel so good, didn't it? Like when they walked by you and like, good journey. Um, it made you like so happy. I know the little things make me happy, but um, <laughs> I have to I have to agree with Marion when she was talking about like Gaia, like her presence when she would walk around and talk to everybody was so incredible and her talent like who would have thought that like you'd come there and have this experience with this amazing talent at this like dinner show like and what was the uh what was her her sidekick's name Wani uh Wani Wani I loved her too because if you watched her in the background like she had some really cool moves like and she was playing those instruments she was really cool too so that whole experience you it's just like so incredible to like watch and see and and be a part of. But so that, to your it point, was, all uh, of the cast was so talented. Look, all of these performers, for sure. whether it's the captain, Sammy, Sandro, Wraith Cole, right. they are, you know, clearly there. There's there's a story that they have to move forward. But remember, they are on stage doing interactive improv all day. And in such a wonderful, fun, convincing way, like there were, like, so there was like one time that I try, I was following around, I was walking around and I saw Wraith Cole was having this little meeting in the cargo hold and I tried to go in and he kicked me, like in a fun way, he kicked me out because I wasn't supposed <laughs> to be there on that mission. And he sort of turned to this very serious yet sort of smirk in his eye, like Han Solo type of way. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, you are just so good at what you do. I'm buying into Mm -hmm. every second of this. No, I have to agree. You just, you totally buy into it. He was definitely one of my very favorites, but I also appreciated the cruise director. She was amazing and she would get into the story and help you believe that you were having to do what we had to do. <laughs> right. I remember one of my very favorite interactions though, was with uh, right before we went into the, um, this, the training and one of the, uh, one of the trainers was just kind of freaking out about things. And she was so believable. I just wanted to like put my arms around her and hug her because she was having a a little bit of a stressful (laughs) moment. And I, I I was buying into it all and it was fun to watch them. The captain was amazing because I mean, what she's wearing and uh, the makeup that she has to, to get into, you know, stepping out of story for a minute that's got to be hours of preparation then to go on stage, to be part of this for an entire day. Uh, hats off to all of them because they did such a wonderful job keeping us in story and keeping us engaged and keeping us wanting more. I as, as tired as I was at the end of the first night and the second night, I still wanted more. I wanted to find them again. I wanted to keep going. 
Right. And you like, you need a vacation from the vacation. Like you, yes. you're going from the <laughs> second you wake up to the second you go to sleep. And you're right. Like you can't wait to wake up to see like what messages you got on your data pad. You know, it's, it, it's, it was incredible. Yeah. And even, you know, for example, like when you're do when you're doing your lightsaber training and the Saja that's in there, I, I was able to experience it twice. I was do, able to do an, an abbreviated media preview. And the first time I saw it, the person who was the Saja that was doing the training was so evocative with her emotion. Like she was, as she gets to a certain point in, in what, in, in the training, I was buying into that she was getting that emotional. And I just loved, again, out of story, from a performance perspective. And Marion, I'm sure you can appreciate it too. This story is going on all around you, 360 degrees, utilizing all five senses. And the the quality of the performance of all of the characters and the cast and the crew was just exceptional. I totally yeah, agree. Yeah, I. Yeah, I I agree. From from I I didn't exactly know that I was going to be stepping into a truly immersive theater. I can say with full confidence that the the sublight lounge and the dining room were were theaters. Every space in this experience was a theater and and you know, even down to the technical elements when I was eating dinner, the lights changed with my food. Um, and, and just those little elements from the performance and, you know, all of the performers just getting so into it, getting so immersed with you, um, was, it made you feel really good. It made you feel like everybody was really caring about your experience and, and making it super special. Um, and again, just all of the tech, I have to say, like, I am the type of person that I want to look for almost like a flaw. I like to see when I'm able to like point something out that I was like, Oh, that's interesting. And I even will look at like the type of lights they have. I'll try to see what type of fog they use. Um, even those little things. And I just had to say every space was an, an amazing theatrical performance from the lights to even the, the sound design in each space. Um, and, and the acting and the, the performers were incredible. Nicholas, what about for you? The characters, all of them, are so well done. And one little detail that I love is depending on which path you take on your own adventure, it affects which characters you interact with most. So if you go and you want to learn the path of the Force, then you would interact with the Sajas more. Or if you want to be more of like a resistance person, you interact with like the cruise director or maybe even Sammy more. And if you want to be like a first order evil person like Deanna Mongello, then you will interact <laughs> with hey. talk nice with to your mom. Wrong. I was kind of you a double betrayed agent. us. You I betrayed us. Say, like, double agent stuff. I told you I totally was a... <laughs> at one point you got caught like, and tried why, why am I not doing the same missions as you? And we look at our data pad, we're like because you're traitorous and you are part of the First Order. So we don't want you sitting at our table anymore. I liked the First Order and he liked me too. So well. we aligned <laughs> together, okay? 
do we need family counseling at this point? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, but, but you're right. This is part of the fun, right? This is this is exactly part of fun, uh-huh. and it it actually dovetails nicely into number six on my list, which is that. And I think we sort of talked about this already, but the show and the story is taking place around you all the time. The entire mm-hmm. time that you on board, there is something happening. And there almost is a little bit of, like you said, Becky, the FOMO. And one of the things I was worried about was, I wonder what the repeatability factor, if someone so chooses, is for a Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser experience. Is it a one and done because you have seen it, you've done the story? Having done it and then realized, realizing later on how much I did not do, I'm like, wow, I would like to do this again, knowing what I know, make other choices and make sure I see A, B, C, and D. Because there are, it, it, it is like a cruise, right? Where you can't do everything. Mm-hmm. I, I want to give you just a very brief overview of some of the things that are happening on board on a single day. So, for example, when you first get on board, there's orientation. If you've never played Sabak, there's Sabak lessons, so you can play in the Sabak tournament later on. There's a captain's reception, an outer rim regalia. So if you come in costume, there's almost like a costume contest. Lightsaber training, bridge training, droid racing, galactic trivia. How did I miss that? The Cantina Chronicles. I don't even know what that is. It sounds cool. They had the Lothcat <laughs> crew Porg detection drill. We missed that too. Know your co-pilot. Model shipbuilding. Space bingo, which is called sector set. It is sort of what you see and do on a cruise, but there are these, in addition to the activities, there are all of these these unanticipated, unscripted, unscheduled to us story moments that are happening on board the ship. And you get these missions from your data pad from the screens from talking with characters from talking with other guests and these random encounters along the way and again you can choose to do as much or as little as you like but if you want to get the most out of this experience do as much as you can be as present and as active and interactive as you like and as your energy levels will allow i mean look there were even some there were some times, and again, without spoiling story moments, where you could sort of join a group of people to help create a distraction and divert attention from something else that was going on in, forget another sector of the ship, but in the atrium. And it was brilliant because, like I said, your head is on a swivel because there are story moments and there are things happening in five different points at different levels inside of the atrium, and and that was one of the things that was so fascinating and I think unexpected for me was how much there was to do, how much was being generated and continuing to generate the next iterations of what the story was, but it was happening all around you all the time by everybody involved. Hence the reason why we were so exhausted (laughs) and we felt like we needed a vacation from the vacation because it was happening all the time. And you, it's exhausting to try to keep track of all the storylines and you would see something happening over in the corner. And, but yet you had a mission that you had to go do and you had a choice to make. And as you said, I want to go back so I can try the 
answering things differently, talking to different people, because I think it's going to be a completely different experience. And that is exciting to me. Was there anything else, just very quickly, anything else any of you participated in that you thought was important to mention or a story you want to share about a show moment or an activity that you did that you like, you know, Nicholas, I know you were playing Sabak and some of us were doing, we, we played, we keep calling it space bingo because we love space bingo. We love regular <laughs> bingo on the, uh, on, on Disney cruise line. Um, anything quickly that anybody wants to, to add or share? So I already mentioned an experience I had in the, in the climate simulator room with the Saja. And I thought that that was one of the highlights of my trip that was, you know, definitely could be overlooked. And I'm, and I've talked to other passengers and they had similar experience at totally different moments with totally different characters that are super unique. Um, but I also seem to really love the excursion on Batu um, because I had never, gotten involved with the with the data pad Disney play sort of thing but I really enjoyed how it was able to relate um what I was doing on Batu to what I was doing on the Halcyon um and that was an aspect that I did not expect um to happen it was a really pleasant surprise you just led me right into it's almost as if you can see my list because you led me right into number seven because your trip to Batu will be unlike any that you have taken before and we live here. We've been to Galaxy's Edge a ton of times. We have never used the data pad the way that we have used it. More importantly, you you are taken aboard a transport shuttle from the Halcyon to Batu, which was seamless, right? It, I'm not going to spoil the illusion for what it was, but it is an incredibly well-themed transport that takes you there to an exclusive entrance and exit point in Batu, near where the First Order merchandise location is what this allows you to do is not only gain have your own entrance but you're given a a um a special pin that is from the halcyon that you wear while you're there that i think absolutely affects the interactions that you might have with some uh some of the characters that you find there if you purchase merchandise you can bring it to that location at any time and either they'll hold it for you there or they'll deliver it to your stateroom which is also really nice but marion to the point that you made we when galaxy's edge first opened we heard about how choices you make would impact certain things and i think it's been realized a little bit but not to the extent of the interaction and the interplay between galaxy's edge and the galactic star cruiser your choices absolutely impact your experience from one place to the other and vice versa. And we, when I first saw that Batu was on the itinerary, I said to myself, well, we live here. Like, I, unless there's something special going on, I don't need to ride Smuggler's Run. Although we're given a lightning lane pass for Smuggler's Run and Rise of Resistance, I'm not sure if I want to spend my time. It's like being on a Disney cruise. I don't want to get off in Nassau because I want to enjoy the ship. We spent a large portion of the time that they allotted us in Batu doing things that we have never done before because of the data pad, doing things together, separating, going off on other missions, interacting with different characters in different ways who knew that we were from the Halcyon and depending on where you go, might even have a special mission or a special token that they will, a physical token that they will give you. 
And the thing that was so impressive was going on Smuggler's Run, and I don't want to spoil anything here, but Hondo's dialogue is different. They know, because you tap your M-band, they know who is a guest aboard the Halcyon. It changes your experience. Your credits that you earn on Smuggler's Run absolutely count. And you can use those credits in your data pad in different ways. And your success or failure on certain missions will help, again, that flowchart of the choices you've made, the allegiances that you make. It's incredible how they have allowed the two sort of ends of the experience to interplay with one another using that data pad as sort of that central tool to do it. I never had as much fun in Galaxy's Edge as I did during the Star Cruiser. I just... 100% agree with you. Yeah. I was that person too, thinking, well, you know, we only have two days on on Halcyon. Do I really want to spend some time in, in Batu? I'm so glad that we did because the moment we did the transport and made our way down to the planet, uh, there were things and missions and people. And I got so wrapped up in all the things that we needed to accomplish or was laid out in front of us to accomplish. Four hours went by really fast. And to get further and deeper into all of this detail. And then as you go along, you get badges in the play app and just a whole nother world and whole nother way to experience galaxy's edge. And I had a blast. I have to agree. The experience on Batu when you're on the Halcyon versus a normal experience is very hard to compare because not only do you get like a personal kind of concierge, in like the little port that you come through on Batu, you also have two lightning lanes for Smuggler's Run and Rise of the Resistance, a meal on Batu, and just all the missions you can do on your data pad. It is a very different experience than you would normally have on Batu that makes it a hundred times better than any normal day. So please, please, please. <laughs> If you're thinking about not getting off, get off. Go to Batu. Go ride Rise of the Resistance. Go ride Smuggler's Run. Like, go do it all because it'll all affect what happens on the Halcyon. Right. So your, I think, your rides yeah. and those, right. those little puzzles that you solve take on different meaning. Like, Smuggler's Run, I looked at from a different perspective because mm -hmm. gathering the coaxium here is going to pay dividends when you get back on board, and I'm going to leave it at that. But when that moment happened on the Star Cruiser, I was like, oh, like, the light bulb went off, and I'm like, that is brilliant. Like, there was a reason for me to go ride Smuggler's Run and succeed at the mission the way we did. So you alluded to it, uh, Nicholas, in terms of the meal that you have that is included as part of your dining package. Number eight, space is the place for fun, <laughs> fine, and unique dining. We could almost do an entire show just about the food on board the Halcyon. 
I want to just give you a quick overview and then a couple of important touch points. You have two breakfasts, two, I actually say three, lunches and two dinners included because when you get on board, there is a a buffet lunch available. There is a first night dinner, breakfast the next day. Lunch on Batu is included. You're given a credit for lunch at um, Ronto Roasters or uh, Docking Bay 7. We chose to have second lunch. We came back early enough to like, well, let's just see what they have in the Crown of Corellia dining room. We ate a second time. <laughs> second night dinner is a dinner around the galaxy. And then you actually have breakfast, which I highly recommend, on your departure day. In addition to those meals... Inside the Sublight Lounge, in addition to the alcoholic and non-alcoholic cocktails, there is a lounge menu of hot and cold, wide variety of snacks. In the atrium, there is a menu of different hot and cold appetizers and snacks and drinks. There is a snack station that is available, I believe, until 2 o'clock in the morning that has a rotation of different types of grab-and-go snacks from fruit to Parmesan crisps to themed crispy treats and cereals and, and takeaway snacks as well. There's a water station that has sparkling tap and like space water. I don't remember where the third water was. So if you want to <laughs> fill up a water bottle, you can do that too. Inside, um, inside the Crown of Corellia, though, I think there's a, there's a couple of things that are Really important to mention, without going into detail about all of the individual items, the way breakfast and lunch is served, forget the fact that it's, you know, themed to this story. I think, and we all, I think, are in agreement, the the only way I could describe it is the bento buffet is absolutely <laughs> yeah. brilliant because you go in during breakfast and lunch. It is open seating in the Crown of Corellia dining room. You go and get this themed tray that has the sort of square and rectangular embedded cutouts. And all of the items on the buffet are served in these small little bento boxes, like little ramekins that are squares and rectangles that fit neatly like a little Rubik's Cube puzzle or like a little Tetris puzzle onto your tray. There were many times I needed two trays. Don't judge me. So smart in terms of the way it was served. More importantly, and this is the thing that I was curious, partially concerned about was, is this going to be quote unquote space themed food that's going to look funky and just be relatively pedestrian? I was incredibly impressed at the quantity and the quality of the food that was served for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like I said, we could make an entire show just about the the type of food, but I would love to hear your thoughts just from a dining perspective, uh, what you thought either about individual items, the restaurant, the, the service, whatever it might be. Becky? Yeah. Food. I was wondering when you were going to get to food. It, it was brilliant. I loved the little bento box style space buffet, for lack of a better word. The portions were perfect. They weren't overly done. They had just enough where you could take one of everything and have a meal, build a meal out of it without overeating, unless you're you and you had four trays. But I loved 
everything about it from the choices. They had uh, vegetarian, they had uh, allergy specific uh, choices. There were all kinds of, I love the tip yip. I'm just going to keep going back to that because every time I saw tip yip, I kept grabbing the tip yip. But if, even for breakfast, they had a really cool uh, little combo with the the small little rolled omelet, kind of like what we did in Japan. Mm-hmm. It reminded me a lot of that. Uh, but there was awesome choices. The 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 little waffle that the um, the syrup fit perfectly into the waffle, and you could turn that into a little bite sized waffle. Okay, three or four bites, but still, um, I loved every second of that buffet style, and I would love to see that in another restaurant earthbound so we could enjoy that again the dinners were uh, top notch i my expectations were not very high for the food to be honest and this was five star chef level plating beautiful plating beautiful choices um great options for everybody there was something for even the pickiest of eaters Yes. And even the blue shrimp was fantastic and it didn't turn your mouth blue. So everything is fine with blue (laughs) shrimp. So just put that to bed right now. Uh, One thing I do want to address is they do have an option for you to sit at the captain's table. That is an extra upcharge for at the time of this recording, it's $30 per person. You do get two more um, uh, courses on that specific uh, dinner because dinner is plated and it's actually brought around to you rather than the buffet, but uh, it is the captain's table. She does show up, but she has to do her duties. So she may not spend the entire time there. So we do have uh, a lot of people that are very concerned about picking their date and thinking, well, if the captain's table is not available, I'm going to move to a different date. In all honesty, if the date is important to you, I, I think I would be fine with the experience, the overall experience without staying or eating at the captain's table. So personally, I wouldn't put that as a huge uh, priority because no matter what, you're going to have a great dining experience and you'll be able to see what's happening at the captain's table and see what's happening all around you. And just to, without going into detail about the, the individual items, when we talk about mm-hmm. the quality of the food, especially at dinner, we're not talking about chicken nuggets and hamburgers and french fries so right you mentioned the blue shrimp cocktail which actually was delicious but your entrees and you have all of them include uh braised short rib poached lobster tail seared white fish a number of different desserts there are like it depending if you do captain's table or regular there are four courses of appetizers and entrees and intermezzo so it is a very like higher end, especially dinner time dining experience. And Lou, again, the attention to detail on the plate, the way the chef plated every single thing that came to your table was so elegant and so classy that you thought it wasn't going to taste good because it looked so pretty. And then when you took a bite of it and you were like, oh my goodness, this is so delicious. Like every little Every little thing that they put on your plate accented everything that was there. So maybe they put like some type of uh, like mashed potato on the bottom of like the short rib or a carrot or something like that. It all complemented everything that was on that plate. So it was just like a five-star meal from beginning to end. 
And I like the fact for breakfast and lunch, too, there was no assigned time. So you can go at your leisure, depending on what you were doing on board or, or when you come back on board as well. Uh, Nicholas and Marion, anything sort of of note to mention just quickly about dining? Something that I have to mention is I love trying a bunch of new things. And this is the perfect place to try new food, not only because they make it look just so beautiful, um, but also um, it, like it's all in the perfect size portion again that you don't get full off of one dish, at least in the in the buffet. Um, and everything was just, yeah, it was so beautiful and not at the expense of it being all dyed with food coloring or artificial, you know, stuff that you don't want in your body all the time. Um, we talked to, I think it was one of the crew members that said they tried to make all the food as accessible as possible. So it all was pretty much colored with not artificial colors. I don't know, little thing, but I thought it was really interesting. Um, and something that's just, again, a little like cherry on top of the whole experience. Um, and dinner, you know, sitting at the captain's table was incredible. I really enjoyed I had no idea when I saw on the menu, it was like called like triple fruit red soup shooter. I was like, oh, that sounds pleasant. That, that'll be good. It was actually so delicious. There was not one thing I tried that I was like, okay, no, thank you. Everything was worth the try, was so amazing and really did make you feel like you were on this luxury um, cruise line. It was all five-star um, incredible dishes that I, I really enjoyed. Nick, anything? For All you? of the food, literally, everyone said it. Every single, all of the food on the Star Cruiser is incredible. Like from the way it's plated to the way, like the way it's served to like how it looks and how it tastes and how it feels and the texture and everything about it is just so good. It really is like a five star meal for every single meal, even like the buffets, you would think that they were just like, you know, it's just like a buffet. They'll do like some basic food. Like all of the food on the buffet is so, so good. And not to like spoil any of the food or anything, but there was this one like grilled cheese, like waffle thing with this like tomato soup type dipper. And it was so good. Just all of the food on the Star Cruiser is just incredible. You can bring me that right now, Nick. Yeah, I actually I was, would love I to dip very, some yeah. of that into that tomato soup right now. It would be perfect. I was very impressed, again, that it was not just themed sort of kitschy food, but actually really, really delicious food everywhere that we had it, um, whether it was the late night snacks that we had in the lounge or the snacks that were available in the atrium to each of the meals. Uh, I really, really loved breakfast and lunch. I really liked that style of um the, the presentation of the food and the portion control of the food as well. All right, last couple of things that I want to get to, in, including something I think is is very, very important to talk about. I, I'm going, this is going to be very sort of, I'm going to allude to a number of things without spoiling a number of things, but it's important that you understand that space is also full of secrets. Fun, fun secrets. Both in the missions, there are secret locations that are on board the ship that you might not even be able to find on a map. There are secret experiences that you can participate in 
only if you do certain things or only if you have certain conversations. And I love that because it, it makes you want to do more so that you get to sort of that, so that you can sort of level up in terms of what you are doing. There are secret special effects that you can trigger. Like as an, from the, there's a, you can add on like a portrait, I, I call it a secret, but it's not. Like if you want to take professional portraits around the ship, you can add on a portrait experience. There are iconic photo locations. There are Easter eggs throughout the ship. Um, one of the things that we found, we we walking up and down one of the stairs, we kept seeing this tiny little like outcropping, and we asked, we're like, oh no, that's the the the, the door to the stateroom from the Starline founder. Now, mind you, the Starline founder is only nine inches tall, so there's this teeny tiny little door along the stateroom. But if you go into the cargo hold, you might see a very familiar face on a galactic ID card. You might see remnants of a lightsaber battle that was depicted in a story that you might have seen or read. If you get into the engineering room, you might find initials that are carved in of a certain couple that had their honeymoon aboard the Halcyon, Han and Leia. There are hidden details that you can uncover in Galaxy's Edge that you will be directed to based on what you do. In Oga's Cantina, if you look carefully, there's a message board that has a job listing from the Halcyon for a new mechanic. And if you run into Sammy, he's the guy that answered that ad. It's just brilliant. And we are not going to spoil this for you, but we are going to tell you there's also very, very secret merchandise that we never would have known about if it wasn't for Marion finding out the secret and getting you really need to sort of gain access to this secret merchandise. I love, love, love that everything is not just sort of laid out in front of you, but that there are secrets to discover and uncover and enjoy. And it is, I think, a reason potentially, if you love this, it's a reason, you know, Becky, I know you're going again. Like, it's a reason to go back because you want to experience some of those secret things or even things that you didn't get to do the first time. And that's the stuff that draws me to this experience and why I am still over the moon about what we went through because I adore Easter eggs and this entire experience from beginning to end is full of Easter eggs. And I know that there's things that, you know, we, we were lucky and ran into some of these, but there's gotta be a ton more that I have not seen that I want to see. And now that I know kind of how it works, I have to talk to a lot more people. I probably am not going to sleep on the next round because there's so much more to discover and to experience and Easter eggs to find. Very quickly, did Nicholas, you or Marion, did you guys find any of these Easter eggs on board? Yeah, as you mentioned before, I loved the little Easter egg of the door for the founder of the Halcyon. I think that was just such a cool thing to add, like a little bit of like background knowledge to the Halcyon itself. And it's like a good thing. Because like when you're walking by, a crew member could like you could just be saying like in passing like oh I wonder what that little door is for, and then a crew member could be like oh it's for their founder, and then you can like get involved in like a conversation with them. And 
I just think that like some of these little Easter eggs are just such a great little detail to have in the house scene as a whole. So the last thing that we have to cover, and I think this is is the the question that is continuing to be asked and in a variety of ways answered, and is it worth it? And I think you have to put that question in very large, very bold quotation marks because while it's the one question everybody has, it is the one question that only you can answer. And I want to come full circle and not answer it for you, but want to try and equip you with knowledge to help you answer it for yourself as well as what our experiences were in terms of value. So first, what is the actual cost? And and this obviously will vary like any hotel or Disney experience. It will vary seasonally. Uh, I'm giving you the prices as they are right now. A party of two for a standard room is about $4,800. Party of three is about $52.99. And a party of four is $59.99. You can add on, you can upgrade. Becky talked before about the suites, the captain's tables, and the photo sessions. I want to break that cost down for you and reverse engineer it a little bit to help you better understand what's included, what's not included, and if it makes sense to you and for you. Because what's included is not just your stateroom, but all of your meals, a ticket to Hollywood Studios for your excursion, the entertainment, the story elements, the activities, the musical performances, etc. What's not included is alcohol, which is should be obvious. I don't know why people get angry or confused because alcohol is not usually included anywhere. And obviously merchandise. And I think part of what has been happening and, and unfortunately happening is that people hear and see and focus only on that price before the Halcyon even opened its doors and immediately dismiss it as being overpriced, too expensive, et cetera, et cetera. I think if you break down what you get for that amount, it might actually surprise you. And I want to do a a very quick breakdown and I'm going to sort of round numbers and go through them quickly because I think when you do it this way, it, it becomes a little bit clearer. So first is your room. And we said at the, at the outset, we feel that the room, I felt that the room was even as good as, if not better than a deluxe resort in Walt Disney World. If we compare it to something like the Grand Floridian, which could run, I think right now, it's running about $1,200 a night. Let's sort of round it, you know, 2000 to $2,400. Why do I say it's better than a deluxe? Because there is that immersive theater aspect. There's the view, the droid, all of, remember, your room is not just your stateroom, but it's all of the spaces on board the Halcyon, the engineering room, the climate room, the tour, the snacks, the Sabak table, all of those things. If you break down the food, which unquestionably is better than anything you're going to find at a quick service location throughout the park, you get two full dinners. If we ballpark those at $60 each and four lunches at about $25 each, that is up to $250 right there. You do get a one-day park pass, and if you choose to go to Toy Story Land, so be it. I don't think that you should. But if we prorate that ticket, you know, it's $100 or so a ticket plus the two lightning lanes, 
at $15 each. That's $30, maybe you know, $70 for the ticket. That's another $100. It's hard to put a price on the experiences, lightsaber training, bridge training, everything else. I'm going to lowball that number at $100. If you get, um, you get a magic band, $30. Valet parking for two nights, you have to include that too, $60. You're already up to, at, for, for two people, $2,800 per person, which is $5,600. The actual cost of the Star Cruiser is $4,800. So line item breaking it down, you're actually spending, you're actually getting value for your cost. Obviously, there's a lot of subjective elements on there in terms of, you know, the shows and the entertainment and, and what additional prices I think that you can put on it. That being said, is it expensive? Absolutely. There, there is no doubt that there is a sticker shock to this. You have to, dis- again, it, it, it's okay to disagree with anything that we've talked about or we want to help you understand what we did, what you pay for, and what you get and your determination of whether or not it is valuable to you. Is it quote unquote worth it to you? Becky, I know we, we've talked a lot about this, you know, between you and I, both before, during, and after, in terms of how do you measure, I mean, you cannot objectively measure the worth of something. I said that during the introduction, but in terms of what you get for what you spend, it, it's like a, you know, if you, it, it's like adding up a Walt Disney World vacation. If you, if you go home mm-hmm. and you look at every single dime that you spent and sort of you know, backfill it, it makes more sense than if you say, oh, your Walt Disney World vacation is going to cost you $10,000. You say, no, my room and my tickets are going to cost me X. You don't necessarily factor all those things in. I think it's the same here on the Star Cruiser. I completely agree with you. And I've had a lot of conversations with, with a lot of Disney fans about this. And one of the things that has helped some people kind of understand it is when we talk about uh, the experiences, other experiences that Disney provides, like in Adventures by Disney, you really react to the the initial price of one of those trips until you actually go on one or understand what all the elements are that are included. And if you do just exactly what you did a moment ago and take those elements separately and try to, to place a value on it, you actually see that some of these for what you get is undervalued in a lot of ways. You're, you're getting a, a big discount by combining all of the elements and having one big package. So is this experience for everybody? No, it's not. It, it's, it's not going to be for an introvert that doesn't care about Star Wars and just wants to sit in the room and, and hang out on the balcony. This is not that experience. So for those of you who are that person, there's other ways that you're going to be happier spending your money. But for anybody who wants this interactive walk into a movie and is ready to to believe and take it all on, this is a great value overall, considering what you're getting over three days and two nights. And, you know, it's I think it's going to be easier now for people to have a better understanding of what that value is, because people are experiencing it and talking about it rather than 
the weeks lead and months leading up to the actual opening where Disney was holding a lot of the information close to their vest and they're not going to tell you what to expect. Uh, so all of us were kind of going, huh? And just looking at the price and looking at what details we were getting, which was pretty much zero. So it was hard to, to try to equate that in your brain. Now it makes a whole lot of sense especially if you compare it to other vacation options that are out there and you do the math. And like you said, Becky, it, it, it is by design. It is not for everyone, right? This is not meant mm-hmm. to be galaxy's edge where anybody with a park ticket can go. And I just don't think it, it you know, you, you can't get mad at somebody who lives in golden Oak for living in golden Oak. You can't get somebody who owns an expensive car for owning an expensive car and you certainly can't get mad at the car manufacturer, right? The same way you can't get mad, or I don't think that you should get mad at Disney for creating an experience like this because it is not meant, you know, for everyone all the time. You, look, just like in, not everybody can, not everybody wants to do certain things, not everybody, you know, should be an annual, is an annual pass holder, like for different reasons. But I don't think, you know, it's it's disappointing to see so much anger and vitriol and hate on the internet for people who do get to experience it and get to yeah enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I look at, you know, Lamborghinis, I would love to have one, but I'm going to choose not to spend my money on that luxury. Um, we all make choices in our lives as, as to what we want to spend our money on or, or what we want to save for over time. And is this an expensive option? Like you said, absolutely. This is not a cheap, um, it, a cheap option, a cheap vacation in any way, shape, or form. And I think we can all agree and acknowledge that. Uh, however, with everything you get and all of the people, I mean, that's one thing a lot of people don't understand because they haven't seen it yet, is every person that is putting in many, many hours to make this thing flow that's wages, that's people. So when you're paying for a hotel, you're, you're paying for a bed and a hotel stay in a room. But with this experience, you're also paying for theater that's going on around you. And how much do you spend for a Broadway ticket, right? For a two hour show. Sometimes you're looking at four or $500 a person. If you're looking at the main floor on, on for some of those, imagine having this theater all around you for two straight days. So Again, it's what and you personally value. <laughs> yeah, and you are you're up there too, and you're giving you're you're getting your Ata card, <laughs> um, and it's or Atsi card for for my perspective. But it's um it's it's just that type of experience. And the one thing that you said, which resonates with me over and over again, is it we're going to have people come to us and have come to us asking that question: Is it worth it? We've had people come to us. You've had people, uh, you know, in in the the lives and so forth. The only person who can actually answer that question is you. What we can do is give you the pros and the cons, what we saw without spoiling it. But you need to decide how you're going to spend your money. No one else could do it for you. And the only advice that I would potentially give from a, a parent perspective is I'm not sure that this is the best experience for small children. Only you know your kids. Mm -hmm. Only you know what they enjoy, what they can tolerate from a a time perspective. You know, if I had to round it, I'm not sure maybe if this is ideal for kids, maybe under 10, only because I don't, 
know that they would get the full experience out of it. They might need additional attention from the parent, maybe spending a day in Galaxy's Edge and in the middle of summer, maybe see how that plays. Again, you have to determine what you want to do and 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 how you want to do it. And yeah. I think this Go ahead. I was going to say this this wouldn't be a great option for kids that need naps because or adults that need naps. You're going <laughs> Yes, this is true. <laughs> because you you really do this is happening all the time around you everywhere and if you took a break you might miss some of the biggest, most important elements. And if I was going to give a tip, it would be not only to come out of your shell, talk to people you might not talk to, get involved, but also make sure you attend all of the big events that is open to everybody, like the muster drill and those types of things, because those are going to be pieces that are really important to the puzzle. And if you are thinking about it, Try as as much as you can not to watch videos Please. that are going to potentially spoil story moments because the mm-hmm. surprise is part. It is one of those things that you pay for. You pay for those surprises. Correct. It's why we didn't talk about specific characters, specific moments, things that happen, because I want you to hopefully, if you so choose to experience it for yourself with your own eyes. And I think if you're on the fence, I think you would need to ask yourself three questions. And I think they need to ask them in this order. One, am I a big Star Wars fan? Like, and figure out, define what big and fan means to you. Like, where does your level of fandom sit in terms of what you want to do? Two, do I love this type of participatory theatrical experience? Because if you're looking for a themed Star Wars hotel, this is not it. That is not what this is. I I do not think this is designed to be a place that you go and just sort of hang out for two days. It is meant to be something. It's like going to an escape room and just sitting there and watching. Like I think it is much more than a hotel. And I think you have to ask yourself and examine yourself and, and... have an honest conversation with yourself or whomever. Can I spend $5,000 on this two-night experience and walk away happy having done so? Yeah, and the the only thing I want to do is is kind of talk about number one for a second because, yeah, you're right. Uh, Being a Star Wars fan is definitely a good prerequisite to this. However, I also want to say that you don't really have to be. Um, you don't have to know the characters to to be part of this story. So like we, I had a client not too long ago asking me a question about this. The husband's big Star Wars fan. And he asked me, is this going to be okay with my wife? Because she really isn't. And you don't have to be to be to enjoy this. As long as you enjoy the elements that you just spoke about. The other two, if you can answer yes to the other two, that it's, yeah, I'm, I'm in for those. I think you're still going to be good. I agree. And for me, there's also the intangible aspect and the intangible aspect for me. If I were to dissect it really come came down to two things in terms of the determination of my value. And it's things that I mentioned before. One were my kids faces, my kids faces Mm -hmm. when we boarded my kids faces for the duration of the three days that we were participating in this experience, my kids' faces when we got back to the room at the end of the night, 
and my kids' faces of almost disappointment, like, oh, it's over. Like, that that disappointment, like, oh, it, we feel sad that we have to leave. I place monstrous value in that. Like, is it worth it? As a parent? Placing monstrous value in our disappointment. No, monstrous value. Wow. <laughs> Marion, I am thinking... And I'm not, I don't mean to single you out, but as someone who came in admittedly not as a Star Wars fan, potentially skeptical, wondering if you should leave on the second day to go to school, watching your face, and there was this moment of sort of transition where your face lit up and you were all in on the experience, that alone was worth the price. Nicholas coming to me and your mother at night, hugging me so hard, saying, Thank you so much for this. This is amazing. As a parent, it's hard to put a dollar figure on that. And for me, like, I cried a lot. Like, I cried wonderful, happy, joyful tears as a parent, as the the nine-year-old kid playing with his Star Wars toys, the, 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 the son who remembered seeing Star Wars with his dad. All of those things, and it's why I think I broke down when I was talking to the Imagineer because I had this flood of emotions. And for me, it's hard, and nor will I ever try to put a dollar figure on what the the expression and what the generation of those emotions really is. I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. Aww. <laughs> well, I was remembering back and just... Remembering everybody's faces. I mean, none of us knew what to expect. We walked in, we were in awe. We saw the room and then we started getting the missions and it turned into a giggle fest. It, it really was. It really, we had go- running around. I know. I agree. We looked like little nine-year-olds running around after toys that were hidden behind things. And <laughs> yeah. it was, it was definitely just a, an uplifted wonderful joyous experience to have, to have shared with all of you and all of the characters and all the other passengers and I, again just i i don't know if you can put a price on joy and that's kind of what i felt the entire time it, until i was almost ready to fall over and it became i got to go to bed i i i'm fighting my <laughs> eyelids i am just going to go to bed and i'm going to get up in 4 hours and do this again right um, oh the other tip is give yourself a, a day after <laughs> to recover. Book yourself a space and land or space and sea vacation because you will With need your time. Mouse Van Travel agent, by the way. <laughs> right. You will need time. <laughs> uh, Mouse Van Travel can book and can create and craft a custom package just for you. But I want to know what are your thoughts on the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser as well as what are your questions? Post them over in the clubhouse at www.radio.com slash clubhouse. Also stay tuned for the next WW Radio live show where we will take and discuss some of your questions with you at www.radiolive.com. I know Becky Mankin's going to join me, maybe another special surprise guest because I like making Becky Wendy who the surprise That's guest crazy. is going to be. You drive me crazy. But Deanna, if there's anybody, Marian, anywhere. Nicholas, Becky, you are my family. I am so grateful to have had and shared this experience with you. I want you to summarize your time on the Galactic Star Cruiser in one word. Marion, Deanna, Nicholas, and Becky. Immersive. The memories were amazing. 
and priceless. That's I, not one word, but go ahead. I can't <laughs> help it. Sorry. You, you did not follow. You did not follow the instructions, Nicholas. Food. Becky. I never follow instructions. Uh, joy. I'm just going to use one there. I'm going to follow instructions. Joy. It, That's why I love you. Becky. Giggling, giggling over the water through the woods. Joy. <laughs> For me, it's grateful. I'm grateful to you. I'm grateful to my family. I'm grateful to Disney. I'm grateful to all the cast members who made this all happen. It is, it is an experience of a lifetime. So thank you again. Hopefully, um, I want to know if, if you are thinking about going on the Star Cruiser or if you've been on the Star Cruiser, let us know. And all right, very quickly, if you could eat one one thing oh. from the Star Cruiser one more time, what would it be? Oh, my gosh, that egg thing. It almost was like an egg, and it was like a hash brown with the with the egg on top and the potato. Oh, my God, it was so good in the morning. Yes. There's this little... I mentioned for the grilled cheese and tomato soup dipper like waffle thing I could literally eat that forever and never stop being happy with it surprise surprise mine is a dessert it was a like salted caramel chocolate cake brownie thing but it looked super cool I probably had three at once it was really good for me I love and I've dreamt about those three different bao. I like bao buns and I cannot lie. They were so, so good. It's time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where you can test your knowledge of Disney trivia history or see if you can identify where in Disney you may have heard a sound, song, or a quote. This week's trivia contest is brought to you by you, because by becoming a member of the WW Radio Nation, you literally help bring every episode of WW Radio to life, every live broadcast, the contest, the giveaways. They are all thanks to, by, for, with, and because of you, and you can find out how you can help the show for as little as a dollar a month and get cool exclusive rewards every month like scavenger hunts, trivia quests. We do group video calls each month, access to our private Facebook group, shirts, stickers, monthly care packages, early access and discounts to special events, and much more. I'd like to thank some new and longtime members, including David Iwanowski, Tara weaver Holly, Keith Groshans, Allison Bertolet, Chauncey Friend, and Thomas Franklin. I sincerely appreciate your love, friendship, and support. I love being able to give back to you each and every month. And that by belonging to the WW Radio Nation, you are helping our Dream Team Project, which benefits the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. Thanks to you, we've raised more than half a million dollars to help children with life-threatening illnesses and their families have their wishes to visit Walt Disney World granted. To learn more and join the nation, you can visit www.radio.com support. Now, before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week, and select our winner. So last week, I asked you to simply tell me where in Walt Disney World can or could you once hear this phrase. Is Celine Dion here? Thanks to everyone who entered, got this one correct, and knew that this line came from O Canada, which ran in the Canadian Pavilion in Epcot from 2007 to 2019. In this early scene in the Circle Vision 360 film, Martin Short, one of my favorite Canadians, says, you know, I think that these good people deserve to hear from someone who knows the true Canada, someone who loves Canada, who grew up there. Don Pardo, the announcer, says, is Celine Dion here? 
And no, that was not meant to be either a Martin Short or a Don Pardo impression. Anyway, I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one. Last week, you were once again playing for a WWE Radio pin, keychain, and bonus mystery prize, all of which you can get only by winning the trivia contest here on the show. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is Kellen Fields. So, Kellen, congratulations. I will get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's appropriately timed and themed Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So, of course, because we are talking about the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, I have to ask you a question that has to deal with the Halcyon. So tell me, what is the name of the intergalactic cruise line that, according to story, built the Halcyon? What is the name of the intergalactic cruise line that built the Halcyon? You have until Sunday, March 13th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern to go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast, use the form there. This week, you're going to play Not For A Pin... Not for a keychain, but a prize that came directly from the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. I went shopping. I bought a little extra just to use as a contest prize. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. If you have any questions about the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, you can come and ask them over in the WW Radio Clubhouse where you can be part of the community and conversation over at www.radio.com slash clubhouse. Also stay tuned because on our next WW Radio live show this Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, we'll do a live Q&A about the Halcyon with me, Becky, and maybe a special guest or two. It's Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern at www.radiolive.com. You can also connect with me elsewhere on social. I am at Lou Mangiello on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And also, please be sure to like the WW Radio page on Facebook at facebook.com slash Radio. Also, please come join our spoiler support group where we talk about all things spoilers from the Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, cinematic, and television universes. Moon Knight is coming up very soon, as well as Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. So we're going to have a lot to talk about in there. And of course, as much as I love connecting with you online, nothing beats a handshake and a hug. So visit our events page at www.radio.com events or on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash www.radio. Click on the events tab there. Find out about upcoming meets of the month cruises including our very merry time cruise on the disney wish december 5th april 15th 2023 eight night cruise on the disney fantasy with an overnight in bermuda i'm so incredibly excited about and many more announcements coming soon if i can help you turn what you love into what you do or come to speak at your event conference or school please visit loumangelo.com and as always my friend and you are my friend whether we have met yet or not all i ask is that if you like the show please help spread the word tell a friend, share a link to this or your favorite episode anywhere on social. Tag me. I'm at Lou Mangiello, so I'm sure that I see it. And if you can, take just a couple of seconds to rate and review the show. You can now leave a rating in Spotify Podcasts and also go to Apple Podcasts. Leave a review there. I'd like to thank some recent reviewers, including Connor Martin Lindell, who says, Lou and Becky with a question mark, know their stuff. I love this podcast. Lou is so entertaining and passionate about Disney. If you love Walt Disney World, Please consider making this your main Disney podcast. Also, 
Becky is amazing, and I love every time she's on answering questions. I'll never hear the end of this, but it's awesome. Congrats on your years of success. Here's to another decade or two. Connor, thank you so very much again. Just search for WW Radio in Apple Podcasts. And finally, my friend, and you are my friend, whether we have met yet or not, I want to once again sincerely thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking your time, which I know is so incredibly valuable, and sharing it with me and being part of this incredible community that you have helped create. I hope that the show makes your day happier, puts a smile on your face, connects you to a little bit of the Disney magic, and inspires you to choose the good and to be the good and to spread a little positivity anytime and anywhere that you can. I love you. I appreciate you. I hope to see you on the live show this Wednesday night and right back here again next week. So until next time, I hope that this is your best week ever. See ya. So this is Chandler from Louisville, Kentucky. And when episode 667 hit my podcast catcher, I immediately downloaded it for the commute home. Even listening in two times speed, I only got through the Tomorrowland section. No worries. I'll listen to the second half on the way to work in the morning. Holy moly, what a great way to start the day. Listening to you talk about your top 10, I mean, your top 15 moments really warmed my inner being. I read the blog post several days ago, but there's so much more hearing it come straight from your heart. I laughed with you. I even cried a little teary-eyed with you. I'm not part of that original 29, but I've listened for all 15 years. And meeting you in person for the first time and getting that handshake and a hug because we could do that back in 2019, was everything you said it would be. We were already friends, and I felt it was as welcomed in that convention space as I would have had you invited me to your house. Lou, you have become a very close third to those who have changed my life and made me a better person, and that's only because my faith in Christ and my wife come in first and second. Thanks for everything. Have a great day. Hey, Lou, it's Giannis from Bakersfield, California, and the last episode just kind of hit me in the feels, and so I just wanted to say thank you again for everything, and I know a lot of people say everything that you do, but it, but it is a serious thing, and you asked a question like, WDWRadio dot dot dot, and for me and my family, WDW Radio has brought a sense of clarity to our life, that there are still people out there who don't need or want anything from you, but just to share love life and understand that these moments are so precious. And when you were going over the moments with your kids, with things you've done over the years, it really just hit me in the heart, man. And um, I'm an emotional guy, too. On the outside, I'm kind of rough, but on the inside, I, I feel everything. And, and I just love these moments that I was able to share with my family, listening to you and everything that you do. So just thank you for that. Thank you for all those moments. I love hearing your kids grow up. You know, my it feels like we know you guys. And so we just thank you for everything that you do, Lou, um, and your family and your team and everybody and Becky and everybody, even a little Timmy Foster. Um, also, my favorite show is the New Orleans cruise you guys did. I literally listen to that probably once a month or twice a month. I love that cruise. I love the I love Roland's vibe. I love um, just the commentary you guys had on there. And, yeah, man, I, I, I probably have, like, 14 favorites. But just thank you for everything, Lou. Um, this message is running a little long. But I just wanted to say uh, from the bottom of my heart, from my family, all the way out here in Bakersfield, California, that you have friends out here. And if there's anything we can do to help out, we would love to. So just thank you for the opportunity for friendship and community. Have a great day.
Hey, Lou, I forgot one thing. My other favorite episode was when you guys went to Star Wars, um, Galaxy's Edge in California. We actually saw you guys from a distance. And that was amazing. Like that, that whole episode was, um, or episodes were amazing. I love when you do series. I love your top tens, but that one, I'm, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, a huge Marvel fan, but like that one just hit me because I grew up in a different time with Star Wars. And so kind of bringing it all together and being able to relate to other people, that was pretty cool. And I'm sure I have other favorite episodes like all of us do, but those ones really stood out to me. Again, thank you again, and, and I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Many blessings, many love, many love. Much love spread your way. Thank you again. Have a great day. Bye. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. It is pointless to resist, my son.